Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. So welcome to listening to this podcast again. Uh, Aiden, my good buddy from being a student last year, I was your teacher, and you have about a week and a half left of being a student, and you are an alumni of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Would you suggest that experience for other people? I definitely would, especially if you don't know what you want to do next in life, uh, or even if you do, but you're not sure it's correct. I, I was gun-so for the military. Um, in high school, I didn't get the respect that I wanted or desired. I felt pushed down and neglected, and it hurt. And seeing the military, I, I show a lot of respect to the military because we can't fathom what they go through, and I kind of wanted other people like me to do that to me, though. You know, right. whenever I see a military person, I shake their hand and thank you for the service. That's that's my way of showing respect. And I wanted that as well. But my parents wanted me to do like a gap year kind of program beforehand. And I said yes. And I went to NBI. It's not really a gap year, but it was a right. year. Yeah. And I'm really glad I did because um, my relationship with the Lord has easily doubled for where it used to be. I didn't really have a healthy relationship with the Lord, and I was shown errors and examples why I was not. And I I believe that I made lifelong friends here and accountable friends that will keep me accountable. And I think those two things are can't be irre, are irreplaceable in my life that I needed. So I definitely recommend it to others. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very interesting. If you look at how community is developed, people who really care for one another. It's developed through service. It isn't developed through having a cup of coffee. And your Nicolay Bible Institute year allowed you to not only study with other people, but serve with other people. And those people you served with, I promise you will be your friends the rest of your life. I hope so. Yeah, they will. I mean, even if you don't see them for years, when you see them again, you'll go right back to this very special level of friendship. And I've noticed that through the years and at my age, some friends that would come up and see me. There's a guy that came here uh, a couple weeks ago. I haven't seen him in years. 40 years ago, we worked together up here. No, more than that, never mind. More than 40. We worked together. We took care of horses together. He came up. We just started our conversation from where we left off last time. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you look at it and go, the, the bond that is developed through service is an incredible bond. And you do have that with the people you serve this summer. You have it with the, the staff that's up here that you serve next to. You have that with the students in the NBI program because serving is, is what creates it. If you look in the Bible, you'll see that. I mean, serving people is, is where it's really at and what we we're created to do. I think the mistake a lot of young people make today is they're trying to develop community around in a Starbucks sitting and having coffee. And, and that's okay, I guess, but it's not going to develop community. Community is developed when you go serve and, and you give and you do that together. Uh, that's how you develop it. It's kind of like a body that works together, begins to actually know what the other part of the body's doing, and it works together without you even thinking about it. Uh, and that's where you want to get as a, a believer with other believers, and that comes from serving. So I think that's a Good observation, and I, and I hope that those that are listening that are considering a year of college before they go into a, a, the work world or before they go into a four-year university or whatever it might be, they would benefit from a year 
where they work on their relationship with God and their service to others. Because no matter what career you go into, those two things are going to be important. Everything else is, is on the side compared to those two. And so I encourage you to do that. Um, what else you got? I, I, did you drink a lot of uh, coffee to get through NBI? Yes. Yes, I did. And um, looking back on it, I don't really wish I did. Uh, coffee did what it, you know, coffee's supposed to do. It gave me that kick and the concentration. I definitely could tell went up and I was more focused. But for me, I started with not even a full cup. I would start, I started with like probably three-fourths cup and then one-fourth creamer. That's how I originally sure. started. But I got all the way to the point where I bought this 32-ounce tumbler and that was all black during the year. And I needed that one to give me the same kick as the three-fourths cup did. Yeah. And I realized that that was, that's not healthy and then on top of that, I did, you know, energy drinks and Mountain Dew and other stuff and also caffeine. And it just got to the point where it was expensive and it was a lot. And I could definitely tell my body was running at a percentage or a cap at a level which I don't think it should be running at all the time. Yeah. And then I dropped it for two weeks. First week, I was fine. You know, I dropped caffeine entirely. And first week, I was fine. But the second week, I got I felt like I got hit by a train because – the headaches and just just like the the drawing towards coffee and energy drinks more it was just more abundant to do it but i didn't want this again so i literally had like two weeks of headaches and a hard time of just keeping a you know just finding yeah. out what was right and going what was right because my body at that point didn't want coffee caffeine anymore it needed caffeine and yeah. i don't think that's something your body should ever truly need. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because you, you just went through that typical uh, drug addict thing. You know I mean? that's It's not that caffeine's a drug. I drink coffee, so disclosure, I drink coffee. But actually, I drink um, one, or I guess my doctor told me I should limit it to one, so I just made it a bigger one. Um, so it's kind of, my, my daughters laugh at me. It's like, can you get a bigger mug than that? I mean, you have one cup. but So I would say two cups a day I have. And I enjoy it thoroughly. I enjoy the taste of coffee. If I don't drink uh, regular coffee, I'll drink decaf coffee and, and I, because I like the taste. And I figured that um, people who are true coffee addicts, uh, they really like coffee, they'll drink decaf because they like the taste of it, not just the caffeine. I don't like the taste um, of coffee. Yeah, well, I like the taste of coffee, so it may be my Swedish heritage. I have no idea. Uh, but the bottom line really is you said something very significant in, what, in your statements, and that Ideas always have consequences. So you can start with the idea that, okay, I need to be a little sharper. I, I'm not as sharp as I'd like to, so I'm going to learn to drink coffee. I did the exact same thing in college. Exact. When I was in college, I, I had an 8 o'clock class. I was struggling to stay awake. So I went and learned to drink coffee. Same thing, probably half cream, half sugar, you know, a little bit of coffee. And I'm not sure if it was the sugar or the coffee that was giving me the buzz, but something was. And then eventually, as I got older, I saw uh, I decreased the sugar, increased the amount of coffee, and I loved the taste of coffee eventually. You know, uh, I don't know anyone that the first time they taste coffee says, this is good. Now, there may be out there, so, but, but I don't know. It seems like you've got to really learn to like it. 
which is a weird thing that we do then if you got to learn to like it. And, uh, you know, my wife, she loves the smell of coffee, but doesn't drink coffee, doesn't, doesn't like the taste of it, but loves it if I'm making it in the house and, and she can smell it. Um, but back to the ideas of consequences, then you added energy drinks, then you added, you know, all these things affect you and they affect everything in its totality. For example, then you didn't sleep like you should, I'll bet. No, I did not. Why? Uh, the probably amount of caffeine running through me. So you stayed up longer than you should, didn't sleep as long as you should, and I'll bet you throughout the year you got pretty tired. Yes. The more tired you got, the more dependent you got on caffeine, yes. energy drinks, and this cycle wouldn't stop. And your body yeah. was screaming at you to stop. And I'll bet you even guys like myself told you, get more sleep. Yes. Uh, and that went in one ear and out the other, so that didn't work. And normally that advice does at your age group. It's like, yeah, Dave, you're an older guy, so you get more sleep. You can sit in a lazy boy and fall asleep, you know, but not me. I got it. You know, I, I don't want to miss out on anything in life, so I got to stay awake till all hours of the morning, and then I need to get up early to get everything done, and so I need my coffee. Anyway, you're a perfect example. I, I encourage those that are listening out there. Coffee isn't evil in and of itself, but you start combining a bunch of things. I think Satan doesn't care how he gets you. He doesn't care. He, In fact, as we went through doctrine in MBI, one of the statements I made is, is Satan will find acceptable ways to destroy you. Because if he presented you with something where you would say, I'm not going to touch that, Satan would say, okay, then I can't even tempt you with it. Why? Because it doesn't get to you anyway. So if, if a person doesn't think that much about money, I mean, they really don't. They, you know, money is just something they use. They don't love it. They really care less. Offering them a billion dollars isn't going to change what they do because they don't really care. So Satan probably doesn't work at offering people who could care less about money, money. Uh, so find some other way. For you, it's like, okay, I know what will happen if, you, if your mind is scrambled, you don't get enough sleep. I know it's really hard to think and operate in a, in a rational way if you do that. So I am going to get you to start doing something that you'll, that you'll be okay with. I'm, I need to get you involved in being a caffeine addict, both with coffee and if you were drinking that much caffeinated coffee and energy drinks and soda, you were piling it on. Yeah. Um, one of the days, our, the caffeine count, and I had 600 milliliters or whatever it is of caffeine. And even energy drinks and stuff like that say you shouldn't have any more than 400. Yeah. That was kind of the day I was like, you know what? This is probably... So when I told you you needed more sleep, why did that go in one ear and out the other? I think it went in one ear and out the other for me because, like you said, um, I didn't want to miss anything that happened. Okay. And that was probably one of the top things about being here that surprised me was the amount of people that enjoyed staying up late and hanging out. Right. We had, like, the class had like a few times we played volleyball. It's like 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. And those were awesome nights. Those were really fun and really enjoyable. The morning, not so much, but in the moment, that was fun and enjoyable. We had yeah. fires. We had worship. We had, we did so many things late in the night that it was enjoyable to stay up in the 
So let me ask you the $20,000 question. Why didn't you do it earlier? I think the $20,000 question is why we didn't do it earlier is that I think most of us had other things to do. Uh, During the week, we did homework. Uh, We would get out of school, and most of us did not hit homework right away. Uh, For me, I didn't. I couldn't do that. I need a break. Like, I just got done from, you know, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. with lunch break of schooling. I needed a break. That's only two days a week. That is only two days a week. That is true. Just being fair here. That is fair. And so I did not work until supper. I gave myself supper off. And then after supper, I usually hit it and get done around probably seven, eight, depending on. Okay, we're still in a pretty good time zone to go play volleyball. We are in a time zone. We started volleyball at nine. We played until two. Yeah. We we were very competitive. We really enjoyed it. Like we started at nine probably with 16 people, you know, eight on a team. And then ending at two, it was four, yeah. two on two, you know, like, but and, I, and then you would get crabby and cranky and not be able to yes. concentrate. And it really, cause all these things are tied together. Yes. And then Wednesdays we had helping hands yeah. in the morning. So the morning's knocked out, uh, afternoon, usually more homework, like, I usually wouldn't all knock it on the first night and then we'd do homework. And then usually Wednesday night, we wouldn't do much. Wednesday night, we'd all know. So you'd go to sleep. Yeah. Most of us would go to sleep at a young, uh, a decentable time. Yeah. When the weekends hit, though, we worked. Right. Uh, we worked at the camp, and sometimes we would have jobs until, you know, late hours. But yeah. I'm the kind of guy that has two kinds of energy. I have work energy, and then I got play energy. Yeah. Whenever I use the work energy up, I got to use the play energy. Like, So we would do tube hill till 11 p.m., and they're like, hey, guys, you want to go play volleyball? Sure. Yeah. And then we play volleyball till. Well, you, you know, you're describing a typical college life and people who don't want to miss out, and I don't blame you for that. Uh, however, you also described how ideas have consequences, and yeah. actually you probably would have been – uh, better off trying to, and all, everybody would have been if they would have budgeted their time a little better. Yeah. Let me ask, I'll give you some tips on how to do that. Did, did you keep a list every day of what you need to get done? No. Okay. Number one thing to do is to keep a list of what you need to get done. You, you don't need to put a time next to it, but if you got up every morning or before you go to sleep at night or when you get up in the morning, if you would just put a list, if you would write down Here's things I need to get done today. You would be so much more efficient with your time. It'd be unbelievable. Because what's happening is unplanned time always goes to your weakness. So you need to do homework. And someone says, hey, volleyball. What do you do? Volleyball. Yeah. I'll do homework later. Now it's 2 in the morning. Yeah. All right. Homework's still calling my name. Now you're not putting a very good effort into homework. And now it begins to affect your schooling, your learning, the reason you're actually here, and it starts to affect that. Yeah. So what I suggest, actually, if you don't do this habit, I'm not going to give you any more. I'm not, this is habit number one. Make a list before you go to bed for the next day or when you get up for that day. Just make a list. I need to get this done homework-wise. I need to get this. I need to get this. I need to get this. Now, that will change how you spend your day, I promise. You'll start to look at that list and say, they say, volleyball, uh, I'll join you in an hour. 
Right, because I need to get this done first. And that way I'm not, you know, I know what I should do. And the Bible just tells us for the person that knows what they should do and doesn't do it, to them it's sin. I mean, they're, I know what I should do. So I'm going to do that first. And then when I play volleyball, I'll be all in. I'm, I'm not going to be thinking about other things. Or, yeah, I know your personality is, but then I'm missing out on that hour. I'm very competitive. Yeah, well, put a camera in there so you can watch it later. Uh, and I mean, whatever it might be. But I'm telling you, people who make lists, that little simple trick, if you want to call it, they're just more productive in life. I do know, though, your generation struggles so with uh, actually saying no to somebody and, and making a schedule where you exclude somebody else. Um, but you're going to have to someday. You, you can't always be spontaneous and do what everybody wants around you. It just doesn't work that way. So it's a good idea to make a list. Yeah, you've gone through other things in your life that are very educational. You told me about some friends in high school that struggled with uh, cancer, sickness. Uh, yeah. Tell me about that. Um, uh, actually, it was uh, uh, my first few years, you know, the years I can remember. Uh, one of my youngest memories, actually, is seeing one of them in chemotherapy. Uh, uh, my mom was, you know, friends with that person's mom, and I knew him a little bit back then, and they liked us hanging out, you know, like I guess moms did back then. And one of my first memories was seeing him in chemo. I could remember, I remember all eight kids that were in there. I remember the setup. I remember the floor and the ceiling, which I think is kind of scary. But yeah. that is one of the first things I remember, and he was not the only one. Um, he, I, I met him. He was the first guy I met. Uh, but when, you know, came around to preschool and stuff, I ran into another kid and he was born with cancer and he was, he was cancer free at that age. He got cancer free at three, but due to, he had cancer. He may have had cancer in the womb. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but due to cancer and the, everything he had to go through, he was, I don't want to say put at a disadvantage, but he was not where we would call an average human being's health. Right. Uh, he's two months older than me, and this day he is three foot eleven, and I'm six five. Right. And you know that's a very different thing. And I remember seeing both of them growing up, you know, and I was so confused because I would I had a Christian family and I would go to a church, you know, Sunday school and Sunday school talked about, you know, a lot of the good things about God, you know, God loves us, God care for us, you know, all the stories about how God is with people. But I just got so confused and sometimes angry because I would go home and I got two friends with cancer. Like, how is, this doesn't look like God's version of love, in my opinion. I don't think, you know, God's version of love is giving, you know, kids cancer. Back then I didn't understand it and I understand it more now, but it it was hard for me growing up and seeing that. Uh, one of them, the first guy I knew, he died at six, and I was six years old as well. Sure. And after that, my brain just started racing through questions. Like, the biggest one is why, you know? And I didn't just do why did he have to pass. I did why did it have to happen at all, you know? He had cancer he had cancer before the age of five, I believe, and he conquered it. Doctors didn't think he would. 
And it was awesome to see you conquer it. You know, he was able to get out of it. And one of the things that I believe he did, I'm not 100% sure, but he went back to the hospitals and he hanged out with the kids that he knew, you know. He was he, he had con- some considerable time there that he made relationships with other kids with that had that. Sure. That was a beautiful characteristic at a young age. You know, that's something that I wanted to I wanted to take up after, you know. He conquered something, but he didn't leave his you know, people he cared about behind. Right. He gets he got cancer at the age of six and within two months it it beat him. Or I okay, beat him is maybe a bad way of going it. Maybe I'm gonna I like I that. understand what you said. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you know, and after that started racing. Like yeah. he seemed like a good kid at a young age. Like, why take him away? You know, he he wasn't a believer, so my brain also races through that, you know, like I believe he's okay, you know, like in the Bible it talks about where, you know, David said he would see his son. Mm-hmm. You know, that's because his son didn't have a chance, you know, to get the Lord and you know, like there's like I believe like the idea behind it is there's certain years where they didn't truly have the chance to get it. Or like we'd also believe if they have like a mental disability or a mental thing where they couldn't truly, you know, grasp the Lord that they kind of get, I don't want to say like a, like a freebie, but like, cause you know, no one is without excuse, but how can they, if they're not, you know, right. made to do it. But after he passed, you know, I just had a harder time with it because the, yeah, it just yeah. wasn't what it wanted. And then with my other friend, keep going forward. He had a surgery every year of his life due to, you know, the cancer and the chemo growing up. And I was, he's my best friend. And I was with him every single year and just watching hurt. Like he broke all the cartilage in his shoulder at one point. He, he had so many surgeries, so many things. And just, you know, it's hard. Yeah. Well, you know, I under, I understand what you're saying. And once again, because of MBI, hopefully you have a, a little different perspective on, on yes. life and God and all that kind of stuff. And we can't bring all of our listeners up to date on all of our theology classes here in this sm- small segment of yes. time. But some of the things I, I would love for you and anyone going through that now is to remember is that what you eventually trust in is not the circumstances of life, but the character of God. Yeah. The, the key to success in life is knowing who God is, not knowing how all the circumstances are going to work out. So if I were to spend my capital, my time on something, it would be to getting to know who God is. That's how I would spend my time. Because it would be very important for me during unknown times to trust in who God is. And those of us that know God, we don't trust in our faith. We trust in his faithfulness. We don't trust in our ability to, to know why things happen. We trust in, in the fact that God doesn't do random things. Who knows if some of the things that God had happened to these young people were put into place to sensitize you even in your life at this point. Yeah. Uh, another thing we've talked about a lot is the fact that love itself, when you are in a relationship with any other human being, 
It's painful. There is no way to be in a relationship with somebody and not be pained by it. Because the, the, that's the way life is. What people do is they run away from relationships because they build walls, because the relationships are painful and they don't want to experience pain. Well, the truth is, relationships are painful. And they're painful because there's so many variables within the relationship. Um, will everybody that ever lived die? Yes. Okay, so we know that already, right? Yes. So you're going to die. Yes. I'm going to die. Yes. We just don't know when yet. Yeah. We don't know how. Yeah. But we all know it's going to happen. And we all know it's natural, right? Yes. Okay, when you think about that, okay, the death of these children, that's something that's going to happen to them, and it happened that way. That's not unusual that death happened. Yes. Okay, just for us, it's a surprise when. Yeah. However, it's always a surprise. I don't care how old you are. It's, it's a surprise. You, you know, I, my mom, I don't know how many times the doctor said, you better, my brother was 300 miles away and said, you better get your brother up here. Your mom's not going to live through the night or whatever. And she lived, I think, four times like that, where, where she kept living years, not just a little bit. And so it's like, you know what? We don't control that. We, we don't control the idea of when death happens. In fact, when I prayed so many times and talked to God about this, I've, I've said, God, you know, I don't envy your position. I don't, I'm so thankful you didn't give me the assignment of putting a date on everybody's life when they die. Yeah. Now think about that assignment. Think about that. God has already a date on every human's life when they're not going to be here anymore and how they're going to leave. Well, not an assignment I want. Yeah, you know, because either. because of what you just said. I mean, if that was my assignment, you know, there'd be people saying, well, you don't love because you, because you chose this date. You don't love. And I'm thinking, well, that doesn't have anything to do with it. The, the truth is everybody's going to die. And death means that the living physical part of you is going to quit functioning. That has to happen somehow. And that's why we're so diligent at wanting people to know who God is and his love because those who die in this world close their eyes in this world to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and there's nothing more precious than that. So we want to be able to radiate that to them and know that one day when you are absent from this body and I am absent from this body, we'll be with God and that will never happen again where you're taken away and this painful separation will happen between loved ones again. It won't happen. But for now, for now, it happens. Uh, I don't know how many funerals I've been to where I just put my arm around a, a friend and just say, I'm sorry. You know, they're waiting for profound words of how I'm going to. It's like, no, this stinks. I, and I'll tell them that. This stinks, man. This death stuff, one at a time, leaving, poof, 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 gone. Don't like it. However, that's what sin did to us. And one day, God promises that this won't happen again. That he's going to correct that for those that are with him for eternity. They will never experience this separation again at one point. But for now, we have to put up with it. And it stinks. But I'm so thankful that God loves me and gave me a plan for this. And that I could plan for it because I know that I'm not going to be here forever. And, or my wife or whoever else it might be. Well, thanks again for listening to us. This is Younger Older coming to you from the studios here at Silver Birch Ranch. 
We're on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute, from which, by the time you listen to this, Aiden will be a graduate. Goodbye for now. <laughs>